all the files of the whole park. It tells her everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. So we're going to talk about crypto today, but let me cheer you up with something really weird uh, before we get to that. Um, did either of you follow the Stella Bull saga this week on Twitter? No. Not at all, actually. Please enlighten, like, enlighten me. I like when I said bull, Emily, your brain, I think, went exactly where it was supposed to. <laughs> um, all right, so... Content warning, uh, some anti-Semitism coming up. Um, so I, I was struck this week by these series of posts I saw online from a blue check uh, from an account <clears throat> called Stella. Uh, I won't give out the at, but people will probably figure it out or know what this is. Um, she started earlier this week reaching out to people, hello, Twitter peeps. Apparently this is a thing that she does all the time. My friend Elizabeth is looking for an unvaxxed sperm donor. Her requirements are blue-eyed white, 5'11 or taller, STD-free, no Jewish or African ancestry, uh, follows a healthy meat-focused diet, must be natural insemination. She will not do IVF. Please DM me. Right? Uh, and it occurred to me that I, I've seen a lot of people talking about how so much of what happens online and especially Twitter lately is just like fetish content to be consumed by adults in some way. Um, and like, you know, there's no way to know if any of the like what what happens afterwards is true. Right. But we're all we're all watching, horrified, entertained by it. Um, I mean, I'm po- I keep posting there. I mean, I, I feel like something might be going on. Maybe it's some kind of getting something out of it. Yeah, I mean, we're all getting something out of it. <laughs> Allegedly. Right. So, uh, hours later, they find a bull, as Stella says. Uh, Lizzie double ovulated this month, and Eric booked in his flight on a super short notice to strike while the iron is hot. He fit the bill perfectly, has great genetics, and is very excited for his lucky day. And she keeps, she posts like pictures of her friend, her pictures of her friend and Eric together. Um, Eric is looking a little nervous, but I've laid a cozy bed for them and fed him a big steak for performance. T minus one hour until they begin. Uh, And then two hours later, it happened. A heroic performance from Eric, although rather speedy. He will be sticking around for aftercare and two more rounds over the coming few days. Lizzie feels like the luckiest woman alive, getting his pure Aryan seed. All is well here, folks. Heart emoji. Um, and then disaster strikes. I don't even know where. The, literally, you could say anything. I have no idea. This is my 9 11. <laughs> this is already. <laughs> so, t- so, 10 hours ago, as of, uh, as of this recording, uh, Stella posts I cannot explain the fury and rage that I am feeling. Turns out. Eric is actually 75% Ashkenazi Jewish. Damn. His in-law showed me via FaceTime him and his wife getting married at a synagogue. Lizzie has been vomiting profusely since she heard and feels heartbreak and disgust. Uh, and then some other things I'm not going to repeat here, uh, but you can imagine. Uh, and thus ends at this moment the epic saga of Stelly, Stella, who is apparently a coordinator of these kinds of unvaxxed efforts 
and feels like her reputation has been ruined. Wow. A lot going on there. You've got like, <laughs> you know, multiple kinds of racism. Yeah. Anti-vax. I mean, it's got it all. Yeah, this is the and this is the kind of thing that I feel every day floats to the top of my Twitter feed now. I don't know what that says about me or the website, but I don't like either one of them. I I feel like I have a lot of insight here and I hate that for me. <laughs> um I do I I do have to say that I did think of you immediately. Yeah, that yeah. Unfortunately, this does have my name written all over it. <laughs> Can I get your thoughts? Um, yeah. So unvaxxed sperm is like a big commodity, right? Like over the past couple of years, which like I I think we've written about here at Motherboard previously. Um, it's the new Bitcoin. It's the new bit. Yeah, it truly is the new Bitcoin. Um, got a Jordan desperately trying to segue us. <laughs> during, oh, during, that's what they say, though. That's that's real. Well, Sorry. during during No Nut November, we have to hodl the unvaxxed sperm, so it's very important that you know got got to really do that. Um, but anyway, so a lot of conservative women's websites, like Evy Magazine, has like written so many articles about how, like, oh, you know, if you're an unvaxxed man, you're a hot commodity. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I'm very curious how this woman, the woman who is, you know, seeking this unvaxxed sperm, uh, is in this situation. Um, just out of curiosity with like, you know, conservative, you know, movement, et cetera. It's like what you're not married and you're trying to have a baby, you know, oh, the horrors of that. I didn't even think about that. I thought about it's a solid point. And cause so, you know, you can go online and look at sperm bank like catalogs. Um, if you're trying to conceive with a sperm donor, you can do that. And one of the things you actually can sort by is Jewish ancestry, um, which is interesting. And at first I was like, this seems odd. And then I'm like, this also seems odd. But like, I, I, I truly have no idea what the vibe is for that. Like if it's like, OK, people are trying to like seek this out. In, in the, you know, sperm donor, or if they're trying to avoid that in the sperm donor, and, like, for what reasons. Is it the only kind of ancestry you can sort by? Um, I need to fact check myself on that, but I just remember being struck when I found that there, in addition Fair. to, you know, celebrity lookalike, you know, sort sort by drop-down menu. Um, wait, wait, what? Wait. Sorry. Then. <laughs> It took me a second for my brain to even process that you'd said that. You can also sort by celebrity lookalike. Yeah, and I've been I've been trying to figure out if it's like you have to say, you know, I look like, you know, Natalie Portman mm-hmm. or if uh there is someone employed at this company that decides what celebrity you look like. Yeah, like, you know, can you just walk in and like check like I look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Or, or does someone like then like hold up a, a picture of, of the rock next to your face and just kind of squint for a few seconds? How do you verify that? They get the Reddit rating community to come in and handle that problem for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a high, high paying gig. Um, but yeah, and God, like the, the meat, there's so much going on here. Like, 
are we debating about whether or not this is real or is that besides the point? Absolutely. I mean, it's beside the point, but I do absolutely think like, all right, first of all, paying for a blue check mark, uh, low follower count. So this could absolutely be like in a farm for engagement. There are pictures and I've not done, I, I've not done the journalistic basic of doing Damn. a reverse image search to like, see if the, you know, if the pictures of these people come from anywhere else. Um, uh, the, the bio is, I won't read the bio cause it'll make it a little too easy to find, but it, it's giving, um, all the things that you're talking about. It's like that conservative woman, uh, EV magazine kind of thing, uh, a little crunchy, uh, but also a little right wing at the same time. Uh, you know, cottage core, but German countryside cottage core. Oh, <laughs> uh, like that kind of thing, right? Ah, yes. <laughs> so yeah, like it, it's just it's the beats are too perfect, right? It's all too perfect. Like I'm looking for this. I got this thing. I got this thing, and I'm so close to it that I'm giving you updates about when the act happens, and then hours later, a reveal that I've been betrayed. Right. It's like it's too perfect a story. I yeah. I, I have too I many questions one. here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I bring this up one to break the ice uh, and just two again to like highlight that like there's just there's a lot of weird shit online these days. Uh, really a lot of it is. I don't understand. A lot of niche communities, uh, a lot of niche communities acting on their own. Um having these private functions that we would never ever be aware of unless something went disastrously wrong. And on that note, Jordan, we're going to talk about crypto today. We're a year out from uh, what, we, what I think people, historians will call the great crypto crash, uh, which kind of wiped away billions of dollars of some might say even trillions of dollars of a uh, of value around these around like Bitcoin and all the coins, and also famously NFTs, which are now basically worthless. Yet, yet, the NFT people, some of them still believe and are still partying, um, and some uh, were blinded for it. What happened at this uh, NFT ape fest? Yeah, so believe it or not, um, the apes are still around. Uh, that alone is probably like surprising if not shocking information to some um, to the extent that they uh, hosted an event in Hong Kong um, called ape fest. And so this was an event that was free for anyone who owned a board ape to attend. So, you know, you had tons of people flying in um, and you know, you can, there's been videos from the event and you can kind of imagine the scene of just like a bunch of like young, mostly, uh, you know, young dudes, it seems, who are really into NFTs, uh, partying as, as hard as they can um, at this event. Uh, and after it, uh, reports started surfacing on social media. Basically, people woke up and they were like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had to go to the emergency room. I couldn't see or like, I'm like blind. My eyes aren't working. And Obviously, this is very concerning. Uh, it start, it starts to cause like a little bit of like a panic online as like attendees from the event kind of gather reports and like 
um, you know, information is slowly being shared. Like, you know, something really weird happened at this event. Like all these people kind of lost their eyesight, at least temporarily. Um, and it turned out uh, that, I, I mean, I'm not sure if it was a contractor or exactly the details there, but whoever had installed some of the uh, lighting at the event, which was kind of like neon fluorescent, that kind of um, vibe, you know, just as tasteful as you would expect um, from the board Ape community. Uh, some of it was, you know, it was the improper kind of uh, UV light and it actually, um, yeah, it blinded people or, or temporarily blinded them or reduced their eyesight at least. And this is what's known as an eye sunburn. Um, so just like your skin can get sunburned, um, your eyes can get sunburned by UV rays. And like, this is like the same thing as snow blindness. Um, and that's why, you know, if you're out uh, on the snow for a long period of time, you wear sunglasses, uh, so that you don't, you know, burn your corneas. Um, so yeah. So, you know, all these people are partying and they had their eyesight seared. Um, you know, this may be a familiar thing to anyone who's looked at a board ape and had a similar experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I think for a lot of people, this was kind of like schadenfreude, um, because that's, you know, just kind of the typical response to a lot of this. Uh, but it's, you know, it's also, these are, these are real people who went to an event and expected to have fun and were injured um because of uh some oversight uh by the organizers or the people who work for them um so that's like that's less funny that's a bit like you know that's not so cool um it's a little bit more pain than i want someone that has purchased an nft to experience right yeah like like maybe we stop short at like actual physical injury right because like buying an nft is almost you owned yourself right Deeply, <laughs> deeply, deeply. Like that's that's almost punishment enough. Like you've wait, you you've kind of bought into this weird thing, and you've and you're you're <laughs> you've wasted a bunch of money and probably alienated some of your IRL friends to be part of this movement. Um, you're going to go to Hong Kong and go to a, uh, an EDM event. In the middle of the night, uh, your eyes get burned out. I've got some of the tweet. I'm just got some of the quotes here. I'm going to read them. Uh, woke up in the middle of the night after Ape Fest with so much pain in my eyes that I had to go to the hospital. Uh, another one. Anyone else? Uh, anyone else's eyes burning from last night? Woke up at 3 a.m. with extreme pain and ended up in the ER. I saw a couple of reports, but just trying to figure out if there was a common thread. And it sounds like the, about more than 2,000 people attended, right? And only 15 were affected, which is still more than should be blinded at ApeFest. Um, did the organizers say anything? Did you Were you able to contact them, Yuga Labs? Yeah. I mean, they were pretty on top of it um, in terms of – because, like, I sent a request for comment early that morning, and I got it back almost right away. I think they had already responded to a few, like, crypto outlets. Um, and initially, basically, they were like, yeah, we're, like, looking into it. We acknowledge these reports are, like, serious – um, and it seems like only 15 people were affected that we know about. So they were pretty on top of it. Um, and they released kind of a post post mortem post mortem, excuse me, 
more recently where they had done some kind of investigation and determined that it was this um this specific lighting in one part of the event uh that had done it um so i mean not ideal like you know you kind of want ideally zero people to uh wake up with like searing eye pain in the middle of the night um that should probably be the goal so the other thing that i think is i wanted to take this opportunity to use this as as a news peg as we do in this business to look at crypto and nfts one year after the crash uh checking in um you know, I still see occasionally NFTs and like Ethereum bots kind of pop up, uh, but far fewer of them. It is mostly gone uh, from my view, but they're still around. Like they've got enough. Uh, Yuga Labs has enough capital to put up, put up this festival in in Hong Kong. Um, and you said here in the piece, despite recent declines in the NFT resale market, board ape NFTs are still trading for roughly $50,000 worth of crypto. Like, is that like per board ape, like a bo- like if you've got a board ape, it's still worth around like 50,000 crypto. I think it depends on the board ape, but yeah, pretty much like, uh, you know, I'm opening up their open sea right now. And, um, a lot of these are for sale for, uh, 30 ether last sale, 28 ether. Um, and yeah, you know, that's about 50 to 60 K, um, us dollars. Uh, obviously that's like, you know, we're, we're saying it's us dollars, but it's, it's crypto tokens. So we can, you know, it's equivalent to 60 K, but you, we don't know if, if, you know, 30 ETH really represents 60 K of investment from the people who have that, yeah, it's um, not as is there even a stable coin now that you could trade into to pull 50 oh k out <laughs> i think so probably um like there's still you know usdt and usc is uh usdc is still around um but yeah i mean this is this is kind of the thing right like it has really i think you're right like i agree it has like largely faded from view um and also everyone is in jail uh (laughs) like for real like i mean you think about like the cast of characters of like the last bull run um obviously like sam bankman freed but also alex machinsky um from celsius uh the guys from safe moon um and you know uh the the people behind luna um like Do Kwan, um, all of these, all of these people who like were the heads of like the the most hyped up stuff um, from the last cycle are either in jail or arrested or um, on the run in some way. Yet, <laughs> and and it's funny. There's like there's a but there because you'd think that would kind of be the end of it, but. Um, but I would say, like, it's really not gone away. Uh, like, yeah, like, you know, 99% of the NFT market crashed, but there were also, like, 5 million NFT projects that had no value to begin with. Um, but believe it or not, crypto people, I think, are looking towards the next, um, like, upcycle. Like, a lot of the sentiment that I'm seeing, like, despite the fact that, like, 
you know, to, I think to like, to, to a lot of people and to a lot of like people who aren't involved in crypto, it's like, okay, SBF is in jail. That means it's all over. Finally, thank God it's done. Like we don't have to hear about this ever again. Right. But I think the crypto people, it's like, oh, great. SBF is in jail. Now we can move on to the next thing. And like that chapter is closed. Now we can continue like building crypto stuff. Um, so yeah, shockingly, uh, I get the sense that a lot of people are looking, um, toward the future in crypto and kind of trying to, trying to like pick out the signals that might lend to the argument that now it's back, it's back on the come up after, um, you know, (laughs) everyone involved in the last cycle essentially, uh, was charged with fraud. It feels like a bizarro version of the end of The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy wakes up and is like, and you were there, and you were there. And it's like, and who are these people? Like, what, what, are, what are we about to get ourselves into that, you know, we're waking up from this weird dream world and coming back to reality and, like, trying to legitimize these goofy-ass projects again? Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's, some, it's really, like, interesting to watch, right? Um because I think crypto has like really sailed on on the winds of various narratives. Like that's how a lot of people in this world put it. It's like, what's the narrative? What's the narrative of, of this cycle? Um, and it's funny because after the crash, I feel like there was like a micro pivot to AI, like kind of like when AI started becoming a thing. Um, you know, a lot of, some people in crypto started saying like, okay, now we're all about AI. We have all this, all these tokens that are AI and even some crypto news outlets started doing AI news. Um, like, you know, not connected to crypto at all. Just like, this is the pivot. Um, but I kind of get the sense that that's already been put to the side and, um, there, there's sort of a new narrative coalescing. That's really centered around the idea that Wall Street is about to get into Bitcoin in a big way. And they're kind of picking at all of these like little signals um, around what are called ETFs or exchange traded funds. And a lot of people have sort of convinced themselves that they're like it's pretty much guaranteed that uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is going to approve one of these like very soon. So you know, it, it, there's really kind of this search for the next narrative, and that seems to be what people are settling on. That's why they arrested all these people, right? So they were getting rid of the bad actors, getting rid of the bad actors so they could legitimize crypto and we can get an SEC-approved ETF. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe, right? It's like, oh, all those bad apples are in jail. Um, we're about to like get the validation that we need from regulators and then number will go up again is, is kind of the vibe. What? So has anything fundamentally changed about the way business is done or the way the stuff works or how it's conducted like, like at all, or is it still the same kind of, um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, let me back up here. Cause I'm really, cause I'm re uh, I just read the Michael Lewis book about SBF. I'm reading number go up right now by the Bloomberg reporter. Um, and I'm, I'm struck repeatedly again and again by, uh, and I, as I was during while we were reporting on this thing, kind of left and right more, more frequently, 
uh, how nakedly on the face stupid so much of this is, how much of it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and a lot of it really is like number go up uh, is <laughs> like the title of that book comes from a conference that he went to where uh, somebody said, I, th- I think it was Mashinsky was on stage and said like number go up is, is technology. And like that doesn't like, it doesn't make any sense. Like there's nothing there. There's nothing around it. Has anything changed <laughs> at all? I mean, I don't really think so. I think like it's, it's to me, it's kind of the same as it ever was. Um, you know, Bitcoin has the same case for it that it always had, um, which is like, you know, it's, it's internet money number go up, um, orange coin good. Uh, and it's, it, you know, it's actually doing okay. Like it's, you know, one Bitcoin is still worth over $30,000, uh, us. Um, I think even Ethereum's price is doing okay. Um, but we also, I, there's also been a surge or like, um, yeah, I guess that's the right way to put it of, um, like meme coins are still back and like, you know, what we would call shit coins, uh, are like still being created. People are still trading them. Um, and it kind of seems to me at least that, uh, these are really, you know, following the same path that, uh, these types of things always have. Um, I guess the difference would be that, uh, you know, um, actual kind of financial institutions are sort of indicating that they're looking at this, um, which, which does feel a little bit different. And this is what people are kind of looking towards. Um, they, they kind of were for the past couple of years though. That was part of what drove some of the, that was part of what drove some of the frenzy in like 2020, 2021, right? Like some of yeah. the, some wall street firms started to sniff around uh, one reason follow, they were following like people like SBF, uh, the young people that they would normally recruit started all were, were all going into crypto. So people started, so the, the, the firms like actually started to pay attention, right? Like this has all happened before. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, and I think it's kind of unclear, like how much of the excitement around that right now is kind of like cope and just like really kind of like searching for a narrative that works, um, you know, in the kind of in the absence of one. Um, so people are looking at uh, BlackRock, which has been trying to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF. Um, Grayscale is trying to approve. There's a few others too. And, um, but it's really kind of just this, this vibe of like grabbing at straws in a lot of ways. Like um, BlackRock just registered some kind of um, they just registered a business in Delaware that uh, had to do with like Ethereum. So people are now like, you know, the the price is pumping. People are like freaking out like, oh, this is imminent. Um, There was an incident recently where uh, one uh, a crypto news outlet, actually a very popular one, um, posted a tweet that I think what they said was that BlackRock's ETF had been approved. Um, and this, this was wrong. It was like completely false. I think they, they just got this information from a random telegram group, um, that turned out not to be true, but they have like 2 million followers on X. Uh, so it, it was really just 20 minutes 
um, that this tweet was up before like being like corrected uh, and I think eventually taken down and retracted and stuff. But I, the price of Bitcoin um, still like managed to like spike on that news. Like, so I do get the sense that people are very much like desperate for scraps of like uh, information on this or like desperate for like scraps of positive news on this and like ready at the drop of a hat to um, sort of run with that narrative. So I, I think at this point, like, I mean, they better hope that that happens. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it will or not. Um, but it's kind of like, what, what have they got? Like, what else have they got? Like, um, because it's true. Like crypto's reputation is like, I, I feel like it's so tarnished now. Right. Like what, what normal person looks at like everything that's happened and like the SBF trial and everything. And is like, yeah, let me give that a second shot immediately. All right. Cyber listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, cyber listeners. We're back on with Jordan Pearson talking about crypto. I have, I have two anecdotes here. One is I was on PayPal the other day and noticed that they have their own coin. And I was like, what do you mean PayPal has its own cryptocurrency? Not that you could just, you know, okay, I can buy something on PayPal using Bitcoin or Ethereum or something like that, but that they had minted their own coin. I did not look into it further than that. Um, I don't know when this was introduced, but it kind of falls along the same lines as like, really now is when when PayPal is going to try and do this? Like... In the, in the year 2023. Um, and the other anecdote that I have is I feel like, you know, we were seeing a lot of people shilling for various coins and various exchanges over the past couple of years. And something that I've seen happening more recently, especially um, I watch a lot of YouTube and there are a lot of random internet company sponsorships that end up being taken up by a lot of these YouTubers and there's this one guy who was selling or shilling for a company that sells shares in art, like digitally. Right. Is this Masterworks? It is very much Masterworks. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so we're moving from, you know, fake internet money to other fake internet money based off of real, like, assets. And just, just wondering... I guess we're getting closer back to having all of this stuff based on something. It's it's all very confusing for, for me to be seeing right now. Yeah. I think Masterworks doesn't use crypto, actually. I think they're like more uh, kind of just like a normal investment uh, platform um, in art. Um, but yeah, like to your point, um, I don't know. Like I... 
like my feeling on crypto has always been like it's it's never going to really go away um or at least like not for a really long time because there's enough people who are like really invested in this that you know they will continue to try to make it a thing um but I don't know, like, yeah, like, are you know, PayPal stablecoin? Like, it seems like unbelievable. Um, but the Security I, Exchange Commission, by the way, has subpoenaed PayPal over how its stablecoin operates. Really? Just throwing that out there. Justice for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that's not surprising, I suppose. Um, so I don't know. It, it does seem like shocking, right? Like, like you'd think that all of this would be like done with after. Um, all of the criminal cases and people are in jail, but it seems like people are still committed to to trying to make a go of it in maybe ways that are seen as less. Well, it, like if it's not going to go away, then that eventually means um, that the Security Exchange Commission is going to probably end up having to regulate it as um, as a, a fuck. <laughs> They're going to have to legitimize it in some way and regulate it, right? And doesn't that then kind of kill the mis- kill the promise of what it was in the first place? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, this is like crypto is like anti-bank, right? Like, anti-financial system. And now it's like, please, please, Wall Street, <laughs> please, <laughs> SEC, like, recognize us. Um it does feel like a little desperate, huh? Like it's like everything else has failed. The last thing we have is just hoping like that, like senpai recognizes us. Well, I mean, we've seen what happens if they don't, (laughs) right? You've got like, you'll have people, uh, uh, you'll, you'll put all of your money in say, uh, uh, FTX, and then for some reason, all those deposits are going to magically go to another company that's 100% or 99% owned by the founder. Like, there's going to be $6 billion just kicking around somewhere that's going to be really hard to find. Like, if you don't have someone regulating all of this, you're going to get your Sam Bankman freeds, right? Like, it's that will just keep happening over and over again. Yeah, I that's that's definitely very clear after after all of this. So... I don't know. Like it's, you know, it's interesting to, to, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, like I, obviously I think crypto people now like are kind of banking on the idea that we're going to enter this like new phase where crypto is like regulated and safe and like part of more part of like the typical financial system. Um, but you know, that comes with risks too. Um, like with an ETF, um, they actually have to like hold the crypto, right? Like, um, like a spot Bitcoin or spot Ethereum, um, ETF has to actually own and secure those tokens, um, themselves. And as we've seen, like, you know, crypto hacks are very, 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 very common, like billions of dollars drained out of, um, contracts and things like this. I mean, it depends how they do it, depends how they secure it. But, you know, social engineering is a thing too. Like a nightmare scenario would be like there is an ETF um, with like millions or billions of dollars worth of like crypto and people are invested in it 
And then one night it just totally gets drained. And, you know, then what? Now that's like part of the actual financial system. Um, so I think like that's something that regulators are probably thinking about as well in terms of the risk profile of this stuff. Like it's not just the price. Um, it's like everything else that goes into securing it and like all of the other risks inherent in crypto. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about what happened with like safe moon and Luna and imagining that happening on a significantly larger scale. And like, what does a crypto bank run look like? I guess we've seen it in a decentralized kind of sense, like sense, but when it's a legitimate part of the financial system, you know, at least in the US, there's no FDIC for crypto exchanges. It's not, you know, your money's not going to be backed up anywhere. Yeah, it's different when it's a company that has purchased huge amounts of land in the Bahamas uh, and like that's what's taking the hit, right? Um, so it's fascinating. Like the, I know people have critiqued that Michael Lewis book, um, and I understand why, but there is a lot of really amazing color in there. Like you want to know what a bank run on something like that looks like you read the book and, and he talks about like landing in the Bahamas after the run starts and after FTX collapses and, you know, this giant, uh, like corporate structure that they had built, completely like emptied out. Um, and he can just go through people's apartments because they've, they've fled that quickly that like their apartment doors are open and he can tell that they've packed everything in the middle of the night and like just run away. And like all of their, they've got, they've left behind clothing and like your personal objects just kind of left out. Just, it just, this place emptied out and Sam Bakeman freed just walking around the grounds by himself. Like shaking his head. <laughs> like, did the rapture happen or did my multi-billion dollar uh, fraud <laughs> empire just implode? Like, both the of answer is yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> both. Yeah. How have you, how do you enjoy that book, Matt? I liked it. Okay. So I know people are upset by that book and I, after finishing it, uh, like I was halfway through it. I was like, I don't get why people are so mad about this book after finishing it. I, I get why. Um, but like Michael Lewis, I think does a really great job of capturing the mood <laughs> and the characters. And he does give people like the, the kind of the harshest critique is that it's kind of a defense of Sam Bankman freed. And I think it it's like a tepid one. Um, but he gives a lot of time to people that outright say like, this guy is a criminal. <laughs> This guy is a criminal and a crook, including um, other employees. Uh, and like the Caroline Ellison stuff is really upsetting uh, and extremely wild. And like he, because he had, he, Lewis had pretty close access to everybody. Um, so there's a lot of like direct quotes from Caroline Ellison. Um, the One of the most striking things to me uh, in their personal relationship is that she would, if she needed to ask him a relationship question, she would put it in a corporate memo because that was the only way that she could make sure that he would read it. So his move to Hong Kong and then also later the Bahamas, they happened in the middle of the night with no prior, uh, no prior planning. He didn't tell anyone. Um, and they both happened 
hours after she sent a corporate memo to him asking about their relationship. So she would send these memos being like, Hey, you know, like what's going on uh, and laying it, uh, laying it out. And kind of like, this is like, you know, here are the pros and cons. And like, also like, I would like to talk to you about my emotions. I know that makes you uncomfortable because you're strange. And then he would not respond and then move, like leave the country. This is unbelievable. So like you get those kinds of details. <laughs> I want to like, read just those parts of the book. That is, I mean, that's largely what the book is, is it's, it's a lot of that stuff. You do get, you do spend a lot of time with Sam Bankman Freed. He really tries to get Sam into Sam Bankman Freed's head, but it's kind of interesting because he make he like makes it very clear at the beginning. It was like, he met this guy because one of his friends was interested in getting invested in crypto in a big way and wanted Mike, like knew Michael Lewis was a good judge of character and wanted him to vet SBF. So he goes and he meets SBF and this is like at the beginning of the hype cycle and he's walking around with SBF and like learning about crypto and learning about FTX. And he's like, this guy's kind of strange. And he starts talking about effective altruism. He's like, you know, I have to make all the money in the world so I can help everybody. Uh, and Lewis is like, that's really bizarre. I've like, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but I want to like watch whatever, whatever it is. And then at the, he like walks away and tells his friend like, yeah, this guy's great. You should invest with him. And then realizes later is like, uh, actually like I didn't learn anything about this guy. And he kind of gave me a snow job. Um, and like, that's how the book opens. Um, and he, he's pretty clear that like Sam is, it is, he never says this, but it is clear to me from, from the reading that SBF is like a sociopath is mm. he's, he's, he doesn't he he they talk a lot in the book about how um he frightens everyone around him um because his affect is so strange and everyone misunderstands him so he has to practice like facial expressions um and like modulating the tone of his voice and like has to learn how to like make the phrases during conversation that make people think you're listening, even though you're not like he has to train himself to do all that stuff. And like reading all that is really fascinating. I feel like I went to college with a lot of these guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's yeah. Uh, I've met a couple of the, I've, I've met a couple of SBF people. Everyone's had one friend who's like really into day trading and mm-hmm. uppers. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing that's disappointing to me is like it's also pretty obvious that there was a lot of drug use in the crypto area that is not described by Michael Lewis. But again, it's one of these things that's in the margins where it's like Sam never seems to sleep. You go into his room at 3 a.m. and he's not like he's not there. What's going on? It's like, well, he's he's on a bunch of speed, man. <laughs> and like speed explains some of the behavior of this market. Like there's holes in the book, uh, but I think like those personal details and that accounting of like the interpersonal relationships is like really worthwhile and interesting. Yeah. I've, I've been finding that the most interesting part of the whole thing. Um, because it's like, I, I almost don't find the fraud like that interesting because of like, I mean, it's obviously like incredibly serious and like damaging and like many lessons to be learned there. But it's also like, yeah, it was fucking fraud, like clear as day, 
like you know like yeah like they took everybody's money and like used it as a slush fund and then lost it all like bing bang boom you know like that's fraud um but all the stuff with like his like interpersonal relationship with carolyn um if there's ever like you know a premiere movie by a really good director about this like I, I would really like to, it to focus on that because like, I just think about that, um, that message that he sent her that I think came out in the court case where he, he tells Carolyn, you know, I, I don't have a soul and, you know, all of my ex- facial expressions are fake and like in all many stuff. ways, I don't have a soul. Yes, that is in one of his response. They used corporate memoranda to talk, which is one of the reasons it's in the court case and one of the reasons that uh, Lewis can directly quote it in the book. Yeah. And God, that's just chilling, isn't it? Like, can you imagine like in like your your romantic partner um, telling you, I don't have a soul and everything I like put out, everything I express is fake and like and calculated like he also says uh he can't he doesn't feel happiness um and because and because of that does not think that it's a worthwhile pursuit yeah like man that <laughs> that is genuinely chilling to me like as like uh, in terms of like a a study of a human being or like a personality a personality type like yeah, I don't know. I find that like very fascinating and um, disturbing, actually. Do you know about the attack uh, the attack dogs? I don't know that one. This one's pretty. This one's pretty. Fa- this is what he, he. This is what Lewis ends the book on. Uh, well, he ends he ends it on two things. Like one is the image of him. Um, the they they bought like this enormous tungsten cube to like display in the middle of the building. Oh, did they have um, their own cube? They yeah, and they never displayed it because they never displayed it. So like one of the last things that uh Lewis did was like tracked down the tungsten cube in like a warehouse on the island and like uncovered it and he was like, oh, there it is. They they did buy it. Uh but the other the other the place he leaves SBF is like he's under house arrest, um, you know, playing League of Legends or whatever the fuck at his parents' house, and they're getting death threats. Um, so his parents buy a really expensive attack dog, um, to like monitor SBF and the dog has been trained to kill. And there is a command in German that you give the dog and it will like attack and kill somebody. Uh, but Sam Bakeman freed doesn't understand pets and is very uncomfortable around dogs and his family will not give him the command to kill. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that tells me a lot. <laughs> that tells me some things. Yeah. A L- little bit of a lack of trust there. Damn. Right. Also, why German? I'm, I'm sorry. Pick another language. I don't like that. I don't know. It's very strange. <laughs> I assume that that was where the dog was trained. Right. Yeah. Some sort of, I don't, I have no clue. God. Yeah. Yeah. That is very telling though. I, th- I think, yeah, that's kind of wild. I didn't realize that the book was more of a character study. I thought it was more of like a, a history of here's what just happened. 
Um, which is why I was not really interested in reading it at first, but the way that you're describing it is now getting me really interested because these people are just weird. And like, I don't know, the way that you're describing it, it feels like it's like fiction in the (laughs) sense of there's no, I, I can't believe that these people act like this for real. One of my favorite bits, um, there's a lot of great bits in there, but he describes watching them because like at the, towards the end, uh, like all of there was like an inner circle of effective altruists that all lived on the top floor of this thing in the Bahamas. And he describes like watching them talk themselves out of caring about people in immediate pain and begin to like worry about AI and like all these existential risks, uh, you know, people like we need to save the maximum amount of people like 10,000 years from now. What's happening mm-hmm. now doesn't matter so much, uh, like describes like them, like running numbers on like which apocalypse they have to spend money to avoid um, is just that like stuff like that was really fascinating. It is much more of a character study. The the number go up book is more is also like has a bunch of wild characters, but is more, I would say so far in depth on the mechanics of the fraud and these kinds of things. Yeah, it's been interesting to see like how that kind of ideology hasn't died out either. It's like, um, I mean, effective accelerationism, I think, (laughs) is somewhat different from effective altruism but it's also not that different and i think comes from kind of the same um internet stew uh let's say but i don't know if i've i know what accelerationism is i don't know if i've heard of effective accelerationism yeah like online um people identify themselves with it with um the uh uh e slash acc um, so if you see that, that's a, that's an effective accelerationist. And um, essentially, I mean, it's notable because uh, Mark Andreessen, um, one of the co-founders of Andreessen Horowitz, which is, you know, one of the most influential um, technology-focused investment funds in the world. Um, you know, they invested in everything from Facebook to Uber, you know, many more companies that we're all familiar with. And also crypto, major, major funders of um, the last crypto cycle. And he just published like literally a 5,000 word, like rambling manifesto, like ramp, like it would make SBF proud um, in terms of how strange and like esoteric and rambling it is. Um, But essentially, you know, it's a similar argument. It's like we the movers of history in technology should morally have the freedom to do whatever we want and build whatever we want. And anything stopping that is akin to a form of murder. Um, Like he actually said, like anything that impedes like the, the development of AI is a form of murder because of the benefit that it could have to people in the future. Um, which, you know, obviously there's some overlap there between uh, effective accelerationism and effective altruism. Um, and, I mean, there's some concerning stuff in there. He, he lists, like, the saints of uh, effective accelerationism. And one of them is um, Filippo Marinetti, uh, 
the I think that's his name. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, Filippo Marinetti, um, who wrote the the Futurist Manifesto uh, in nineteen uh, in like the 1910s. Um, he was Italian, and basically that is kind of like Futurism is um, an art movement that has a lot of like offshoots and a lot of influence. But it's basically like his manifesto was like the worship of like technology and violence and speed. Like he got in a car crash and had an ecstatic moment. Um, but more notably is that later he actually wrote the the fascist manifesto. Yeah, this is the this is the poet that like founds his own fascist, like the very like the proto fascist uh, like city state in Italy. Right, that's this guy. Yeah, like he, so he writes the, he co-writes the fascist manifesto, um, in 1919, uh, which, and, you know, this is kind of one of the basis of like Italian fascism. Um, and I think he, yeah, he formed a political party, um, that merged with, um, Mussolini's fascist party, like very early in the history. Anyway, all of this is like very well known, like Marinetti's legacy is like inherently like tainted by this. This like, isn't like a secret. It's, it's like when you talk about Marinetti, it's like in one breath, you have to say futurism and the other breath, you have to say fascism and kind of like contend with both of those. But anyway, he's a saint to um, one of the biggest tech uh, capitalists uh, in the world um, who is funding crypto and startups and all this other stuff. Um, but all that is to say, like, you know, this ideology um that sam bankman freed like i don't even think he believed in it he certainly exploited it um but you know it's still here and expanding morphing and is like clearly sort of guiding um people who are very influential in the technology world fact checking myself real quick sorry i was thinking of uh, another <laughs> Italian fascist poet, uh, Gabriel Dianuzzi. Uh, I'm going to screw up the name, but different guy. Sorry. Oh, that's all good. Um, I found the effective accelerationism uh, website, the E slash ACC one. And I just wanted to read a little excerpt from their about page. Um, the second critical system that must be understood on this principle is techno capital. Techno-capital is a form of intelligence that is above the ind individual human. As individual humans, we are cogs in the techno-capital meta-life form. It is this meta-life form that is creating the artificial intelligence singularity. Techno-capital dynamically morphs the meta-meta-organism such that all utility in the environment is captured and utilized towards the consumption of free energy and the creation of entropy as dictated by basic physics. E slash ACC is not an ideology. It is not a movement. It is simply an acknowledgement of truth. Yeah, sign me up for that. There's a lot happening there. <laughs> the, the the language of that is very fascist. Like, yeah. That's what Mein Kampf reads like. Exactly. Uh, like he's re like, oh, this is a revealed truth. <laughs> it is not a theory of how things work. Right. Yeah. Capitalism is our God and, you know, fall in line. Or don't, but we we all ultimately have no choice in the matter. Like, you know, let let a sixteen Z fund billions of dollars of crypto shit coins, and if you don't let that happen, then you are committing murder on the future, going against nature, etc. 
Yeah. It also reminds me of certain evangelical pro-life uh, arguments, right? This, like, you you have to defend a hypothetical life because this child might cure cancer one day, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 a similar line of thinking, similar line of magical thinking. Yeah, I mean, the future hasn't happened. So if you make up whatever you want it to be in your brain and then insist that it's it's reality, I mean. That can justify a lot. Well, that's the kind of chilling note that I like to end a cyber discussion on. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, let's go on on something a little bit more funny and upbeat. If we can do that. <laughs> I've got I've I've got something here for us. Um, so, uh, Elon Musk, our our favorite, has launched a uh, a based chatbot. Oh uh-huh. yeah, the cringe chatbot that has declared him the meme lord. It's so <laughs> have have you have you guys been seeing um like yeah people's like outputs from that? No. I have like I I would play around with it myself, but I'm not going to pay. You have to pay. Oh, you have to, to pay. Of course, it. you have to pay for this. Right. Yeah, you have to be an ex premium subscriber. Uh, I think it's still in beta, also. But if they yeah. were smart, they would make you pay to not have access to it. Pay to hide Grok posts. Also, I'm very offended that it's called Grok. Um, just as an old school sci fi head, that I feel I find that terrible, very annoying. Yeah, it's like there's nothing wrong, you know, because uh, I wrote a piece about this. It's like there's nothing inherently wrong with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or Grok or any of that. It's just like. But in in the hands of Elon Musk, it's like it all just like gets compressed into like a singularity of unbearable cringe. Like, can you imagine paying ac- for access to a chatbot that just tells you that Elon Musk is like the coolest guy ever? Like that, that's kind of what it is. You know how sad this is. Did you see the Sam Altman thing about this? No, I don't think up. I did. It's it's so the the Grok AI. So I guess we should say what it is first, because we should define terms. So Elon Musk put out a new chat bot that he says uh, like is not censored. Uh, we'll say the bad words. Mm. Um, it doesn't have the guardrails that all these other chat bots do. Uh, you know, and it like the outputs for it have been have been really embarrassing and sad. Do we know what it's trained off of? It's tra- <laughs> it's trained off of Twitter, all of Twitter, right? Right, Jordan is that's one of the training. A bunch of the training data is Twitter data, right? I I don't really. I mean, I I think that stands to reason. Uh, I don't think we know too much about how they actually built it, but it does bring in data from Twitter on demand. Like you can like query, like if you ask a question, it'll like you know bring in tweets and like. Um, like you can ask it to like roast your Twitter profile and it'll pull your Twitter profile and, I see. and comment on it. Yeah. So we've got here, uh, please explain the Hillary Clinton email scandal. This is from your story. This is its answer. Uh, all right, buckle up buttercup because I'm about <laughs> to give you the lowdown on the infamous Hillary Clinton email scandal. Literally. It's literally like it. it, it is literally like that, like that stereotypical, like buckle up, chuckle fucks. Except it doesn't even say, it can't even say chuckle fuck. It's like. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. 
And it's and it's all it's all like that, right? So it's just yeah, you're running like basic information through an edge lord filter, like a dumb edge lord filter. So so Sam Altman, the the OpenAI founder, um, uh, GPTs can save a lot of effort, he says, uh, because they have this thing now with OpenAI where you can kind of build your own. Uh, you can use OpenAI as a base to build your own kind of chatbot. Um, so he's got he's got this open says, hi, I'll help you build a new GPT. You can say something like, quote, make a creative who helps generate uh, generate visuals for new products or make a software engineer who helps format my code. What would you like to make? Uh, Sam's input, be a chatbot that answers questions with cringy boomer humor in a sort of awkward shock to get laughs sort of way. <laughs> GPT builder, great. The chatbot is set up. Its name is Grok. Oh, no. Okay, I'll hand it to them on that one. <laughs> right. Grok, I tell jokes like your dad's dad. It's like, that's when when you've got me cheering on the OpenAI CEO, uh, you've truly fallen. <laughs> All is yeah. lost. I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, even that, like, Hillary Clinton example, like, if you actually read the answer, it's the most non-contra... Like, it's not even saying, like lock her up or like anything like that. Like it's literally like buckle up. Here's what's going on. Hillary Clinton was accused of a scandal and there was nothing that was proved wrong with it, but it affected the election. How do you like them apples? Like, you know what I mean? I'll read a little bit more of it. So back in 2009, when Hillary was secretary of state, she decided to use a private email server for official government communications. Now this might seem like a big deal, but it's actually, this might not seem like a big deal, but it's actually a pretty big fucking no-no oh. because it meant that some of her emails contain classified information that could have been compromised. Yeah. It was a no-no. It was a big fucking no-no, Emily. I'm, I'm hearing this, but I'm seeing it in my mind's eye as a Tumblr post. <laughs> <laughs> like, I see it with the font, with the blue background. Like that's I can't. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god, it is like a Tumblr post, like the worst kind of Tumblr. Exactly. Post. Like a brand trying to do a Tumblr post. Ugh. This is the, the the Denny's of AI chatbots. Hey, Denny's was popular on Tumblr, right? They were like the first ones to kind of figure it out. Yeah, you know they they pioneered something, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they pioneered that awful ten years where. Uh, Wendy's and Burger King were fighting like a married couple online <laughs> and we all had to watch. <sighs> anyway, this has been Cyber. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Pearson, thank you so much for coming on and, and walking us through all of this. Yeah, thanks for having me.
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.